Hello, I'm Blair Lemke. Welcome to Let God Speak. Where we invest our money, our heart is sure to follow. This is why Jesus advises us not to store up our treasure on earth, but in heaven, where our affections, commitments and loyalties are best directed. Our Bible study today will reveal this. On our panel today, we have Gail Fong and John Cosmire. Welcome. As always, let's begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to study your word. We ask for you to lead us into truth now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Jesus gave us the best investment advice ever in his word. And let me start by reading a text here in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 20. God's word says, Do not lay up for yourself treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. This is good investment advice. Uh, Why is it such good investment advice, John? There are two kinds of investments. One are the investments on earth. But then beyond that, we have investments to be laid up in heaven. And the advice that Jesus gives applies very much to us laying laying our our investments up in the, the kingdom. In fact, in Mark chapter 8, and I'm reading from the new King James Version, Mark chapter 8 and verse 36, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world, in other words, investments in the whole world, Mm. and lose your own soul? You end up with nothing. And then verse 37, Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? And so God's kingdom ensures that our hearts are directed to his purposes and that we don't become ensnared in the things of this world. Mm. Yeah, that's actually such a very powerful text of scripture, isn't it? Um, And Gail, I'd like to piggyback off that text that we've just looked at. Um, Is there a danger if rather than storing up our treasure in heaven, we store it up in earth? Yes, there's a big danger there because wherever we put our money, our heart is sure to follow if it's not there already. So if we store up treasure on earth, then we, our heart will be there and we'll be more concerned of the things of this earth and the activities of this earth rather than of heaven. So it's interesting. So this will lead us to make could lead us to make an idol of money, which then could also lead us to begin to serve money over God. And Jesus puts it this way in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 16 and verse 13. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mm. Well, it really makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Investing in something that 
is going to ultimately be destroyed, everything on earth, uh, isn't really the greatest investment strategy that could be considered. Uh, but how much better to store up in things that will be of eternal value, that will last mm-hmm. forever. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, it seems like quite sound advice for us to consider. Uh, of course, as Bible characters navigate through how to invest in heaven, uh, there is God, when God calls people to invest in his kingdom, it often involves pretty major life altering calls, right? And we're going to look at a few of those today as we study together. I'd like to read a text here. One of those people that God called was Noah. And in Genesis chapter 6, verses 12 to 14, we see God call Noah to make quite a radical change in his life. So let's read God's word. It says, So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on earth. Not a very good picture of planet earth. Uh, And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence before them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. And then in verse 14, it says, God commands Noah, make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. Uh, What radical changes came into Noah's life as a result of him being called to obey God, John? (laughs) Noah was an amazing person. Here he is, 600 years of age. And God says to him, now the next 120 years, I want you to spend your life building a boat. What for? (laughs) I mean... That's quite a change, isn't it? It it had never rained. And so here, he has to organise all the supplies and the workmen and and, and he he decided, okay. And lo and behold, 120 years later, he saved himself, his wife, his three boys... And their three wives, everyone else was destroyed. Sounds like a very good decision to make. Absolutely. Um, And though it was a good decision, um, was it an easy decision, Gail? Well, no, it came with many challenges because Noah and his family, they would have felt the social pressure because they weren't conforming to the um, prevailing beliefs. And what he was warning the world of was a coming catastrophe, a flood of water that would would, would cover the whole earth. And so um, this was contrary to what had ever happened before. There'd never been any rain clouds before. There'd never been any rain before. And so Noah and his family would have been persecuted and they would have been mocked, especially by the, um, those that are knowledgeable in science mm. because it was just so contradictory. But it was very contradictory to God's divine prediction and God's word is always true. But um, faith does not always rely on and is not always in line with science and and supposed evidence. Mm. But it's not enough to be right and to be in line with science and public opinion. But what matters most is to know God and to do his will. And that's what Noah and his family chose to do. Well, that's right, isn't it? Because how often have supposed scientists contradicted themselves, had to go back on, you know, evidence and all of these sorts of things uh, when ultimately God's word is the authority on which a Christian can base their faith um, and their lives as well. 
and right, science rightly understood will align with the truths of God's word as well. Now, I do want to ask you, John, um, when we look at Noah's life, there's many lessons that we can take for our own lives um, in a time where there's a world that needs to be warned about impending doom also. What are some of those lessons? Interestingly enough, the Apostle Peter, he wrote a book, Second Peter chapter 3, starting from verse 3, and he says, look, you are going to be asked to give a message to the world, but like it was in the days of Noah, when people didn't listen to his 120 years of preaching, hmm. he was the worst preacher, you know. <laughs> Preached 120 years and saved. Didn't, didn't get very many. Did Whereas Jonah, of course, it was the other way around. But here Peter, who himself was a sailor as well, because he used to sail the Sea of Galilee and catch fish. And, and he said, they're going to be scoffers. They'll laugh at you. So let's accept the fact that when people start laughing at what we are telling them, we say, oh, OK, well, we're right on because that's what Peter said he, he would. And they'll say, where is the promise of his coming? All things continue as they were from, from creation till the beginning. Today, people don't even believe in creation. And so they willingly forget that what has happened in the past, Peter has said, is going to happen again. And then what happened was that they perished with the flood. And so we, like Noah, we have to give that message to people who are going to be lost. And there will be those that will listen and heed the warning. And, and that's where we are investing in heaven because those people will end up where? Hmm. In heaven Absolutely. with us. What a blessing. Amen. Yeah, well, uh, and in, in that sense, we should take courage. If we are receiving mockings or scoffing, people are scoffing at us for a belief in Jesus Christ, in, in, in his word, in his soon return, we should take courage from that because uh, so too was Noah scoffed and, and those who have come before us, those faithful preachers of God. And so, um, yeah, that's a, quite an encouraging um, thing to consider. Uh, I want to ask you, Gail, Noah had to have this quite dramatic change in his life. Um, how can we know if we will be ready to make a major change in our life if God calls us to do something similar? That's a good question. And just reading from the book of Luke, Luke chapter 16 and verse 10, in the words of Jesus here, it's, he says, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. So if we're faithful in the little things of life, it shows that we have a steadfast heart no matter what's in, in front of us. And then God will prepare us for greater trust if he, for that calling that he may have for, on our lives. Wow. Well, um, let's be faithful in the small things then. <laughs> well, just like Noah, uh, there's other characters as well in God's word. Um, Abraham was another individual who sacrificed in order to lay up treasures in heaven instead of on earth. Um, with Abraham, as with Noah, we see someone who has to make major life-altering decisions that God calls them into um, as a result of obeying God. And so I'd like to read a text here in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through to 3. Uh, we're going we're gonna to see this picture here of, um, uh, of this call that Abraham receives. 
Now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country and from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great and you will be a blessing. And I'll bless those who bless you and I'll curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Uh, John, how were all the families of the world blessed uh, as a result of Abraham responding to God's call? The Apostle Paul picked up on this. And in the book of Galatians, chapter 3 and verse 29, he gets it all back to front. If you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed. No. No. Christ came after Abraham. So you can only be the seed if you are of Abraham, then you'll be Christ. But that's not what the Bible says. Mm. The Bible says, no, You've just stated the the world's way, but God's way is if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed. And so what a blessing because the promises of Abraham then become our promises. Amen. And so just like Abraham was true and faithful and then he blessed the world because through him Christ came and then we bless the world too because we have accepted Jesus And guess where we're all going to end up? Treasure in heaven. Absolutely. Christ will be there. Abraham will be there. We'll be there. Amen. Can't wait. Looking forward to it. Well, it's it's interesting as well when we think about Abraham um, in the way that he left his homeland. Of course, he he left his homeland to follow God. um, But his nephew Lot chose to go with him. And as Lot went with him, uh, there was this situation where um, they had to, um, they couldn't dwell together because of the size of their flocks. They grew bigger and bigger. And so Abraham gave uh, Lot the opportunity to choose which part he would like to go into and where he'd like to dwell. Um, And I want to read that in Genesis chapter 13, verse 10 and 12. Uh, It's quite interesting here. It says, Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. He liked what he saw uh, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. It was like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go towards Zor. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan and Lot journeyed east and they separated from one another. And Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. This is quite interesting. Uh, Gail, I want to ask you the question. What do you think led Lot Lot to make the decision that he did to choose to pitch his tent right there near Sodom uh, and and choose the plains of of Jordan? Well, just as you've read there, the plain of Jordan was definitely the better land. It was um, it was very fertile. It was the most fertile place in all of Palestine. So um, but nevertheless, If Lot had considered uh, his uncle, if he had considered his senior, his his uncle Abraham, then by virtue, he should have allowed him to make the first choice. And he should have remembered, too, that um, it was because of his uncle that he has become so wealthy himself and um, his connection with him has prospered Lot. But... 
lot here he showed that he didn't actually uh, have any gratitude to his benefactor and he was thinking of himself and selfishly he saw this better land and uh, he considered that this is where he would like to go and that's what he chose. Mm. Yeah, well, it's, it's quite interesting. And as we look on in the story in verse 13, it says where he chose to dwell, Sodom, it says the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked. So, you know, as they as he makes this decision to go to the better land, he chooses to dwell right there with the wicked people of Sodom. And uh, ultimately, this decision to dwell with the wicked people resulted in him being um, captured uh, in chapter 13. And then ultimately, Sodom and Gomorrah, we know, were destroyed by God uh, for their wickedness. Um, and so that resulted in the loss of his, uh, he, um, lots of his belongings. He came out of Sodom with nothing uh, and he lost even his wife. Uh, John, what are the lessons that we can take uh, as we consider this biblical history? First of all, we can remember how God has brought us to the place where we are rich like Lot was. But then you have to think beyond that and say, now, how can I use my riches to win the other people who lived in Canaan and these places for them also to become partakers of Lot's lot? Mm. And if you don't do that, then your investment is in earthly things instead of heavenly things. And so even if God blesses you abundantly, and you are made wealthy, then the best thing still to do is, is to invest it in things that have got long-term uh, consequences. And so here, uh, sometimes we have to set aside the short term in order to become partakers of the bigger picture, which instead of investing in earthly things, you make the choice and say, mm. I'm going to give myself, my family, my wealth to the work of God. Yeah, and I, you know, I think there's a, another important consideration as well to think about what sort of environments that we put ourselves in. Um, how, you know, he pitched his tent close to Sodom and uh, as a result of the association with that wickedness, um, pain and destruction came in his own life as well. Um, Another example, of course, of an individual who um, uh, had to grapple with this idea of storing up treasure in heaven or on earth was jo Jacob. And Jacob became quite short-sighted, similar to Lot. Uh, he only saw the, uh, in some ways, only saw the short-term gains as Lot did. Um, how did Jacob try to build his earthly empire by taking things into his own hands, Gail? Well, <clears throat> Jacob was a young man who loved and feared God, but um, unfortunately, Jacob, nevertheless, he stooped to conspire with his mother, Rebecca, to deceive his father so that he could gain his twin brother, who was born, I would imagine, only minutes before him, a birthright blessing. But the interesting thing is God had already said that Jacob would receive the birthright. But here Jacob is taking matters into his own hands. And instead of waiting upon the Lord for God's timing, he um, he resorts to deception. And unfortunately, from that day onward, um, as a consequence, he started his adult, uh, his adult life on the wrong path. 
he had to leave home. And sadly, whilst he was away, he never actually got to see his mother alive ever again and didn't return to his homeland until 20 years later. And of course, um, in that 20 years, he ultimately had an experience where he wrestled with God uh, and God restored him, uh, was able to lead him through that negative decision that he made. But how better if it wasn't made in the first place? Um, But of course, um, when God, when when Jacob wrestled with God, uh, what exactly was it that happened here with Jacob, John, and what what spiritual lessons can we take from it? Jacob, like us, he had a time when he was really facing a big issue and he put his family into Canaan and now he stood right next to the river Jabbok and I've been there. And, and you know, when you're there, you suddenly realise that, that here, this man Jacob, he was talking with God about what's going to happen and all of a sudden somebody grabbed him and started to actually wrestle with him. Well, Jacob was a big, strong man. And here he wrestled and all night they fought together until Jacob realized that (laughs) he was hanging on to the Lord here. And and so we we find that um, uh, we can be so mistaken Mm. until God reveals to us what is actually his plan. And so God touched him on the hip and made him a cripple. So don't always expect to get, you know, the really good things happening because God has ways and means, but it was Jacob's night of victory. Amen. And here, his name, which Jacob meant deceiver, was changed to Israel. So guess what he's going to take to heaven with him? Not the name deceiver. New name. But the the new name written in glory, Israel. Prince of God. What a restoration. Absolutely. And what, a, what a lesson for all of us that despite what mistakes we may make in our lives, that God can redeem and restore us as he did with Jacob. Uh, of course, Moses provides another uh, example of someone who had to make a costly decision to give up much uh, to follow God's call in his life. And Gail, I want to ask you the question, um, how was Moses prepared to make a dramatic decision for God and for his cause. How was he prepared to make this decision that he made uh, as a child? Well, just reading in the Bible, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 23, it says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a, a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. So right there, um, Moses had parents of faith and Moses' life was saved as an infant by um, Pharaoh's daughter who found him in uh, an ark of bulrushes and paid his uh, Hebrew mother uh, to take care of him until he was of, of age. And so Jochebed had 12 years in which to teach him the love of God, to honor and to trust and um, to pray to God. And she used her time wisely to shape his character for a life of service. And when you think about it, she was a slave as well, but, and she had other children, but she invested heavily in Moses' spiritual um, growth. And so 
these lessons that were instilled in him in childhood when he was taken to the palace um, to be trained in the way of, um, of a prince of Egypt, these lessons remained with him and the choices that he made followed. What, what a testimony of the power of a mother's influence, a godly mother in the life of young people. Yes. Um, a very powerful example of that. And of course, we know that Moses matured into a grown man uh, and he made the conscious decision uh, that changed his life and the course of history, we could say as well. Um, what was that decision, John? Moses was going to be the next Pharaoh. And with it came all the idolatry, all the wealth and riches of Egypt. They had, they had posts that held up the roof of a building 80 feet high, covered with gold. And I've seen those buildings, but not with the gold on them. <laughs> that, and, and here was Moses living in the opulent wealth of the world. That's a lot of riches. Absolutely. But his own people. The people of God were slaves and they're living in the mud, making the buildings that he was living in. And he had to make a decision. Was he going to follow God and his people or was he going to become the Pharaoh of Egypt? The book of Hebrews, chapter 11. It says, verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, rather choosing to suffer the affliction with the people of God on earth than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin on earth. Where is Moses today? In heaven. He's in heaven looking down. The Pharaoh that took his place was shifted in a coffin to England to become the display for the English people to see and was sent in as fish, dried fish. Make a decision for God. <laughs> Lay up your treasures in heaven and become part of the family of Moses in the kingdom of heaven. That's a powerful appeal. And of course, from a worldly perspective, uh, this doesn't really make sense. You know, giving up all of the riches of Egypt, you were describing how amazing they really were. Um, but of course, um, this did make sense to Moses. And why was that the case, Gail? Well, just reading in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18, it says, While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So this is what Moses saw by eyes of faith. And we too, we're not looking at the things of this world with a worldly view, but we're considering what God has said in his word and as um, John has said, the heavenly far outweigh the earthly. What God has in store, we can trust him. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm going to give the last question again to you, Gail. Um, as we think about the take home message for this study that we've looked at, um, what's the, the take home message for you? Well, I think the take home message is to seek God's kingdom above everything else. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So an investment in God's kingdom is one that's firm and sure. Absolutely. Jesus gave us the world's best investment strategy when he said not to store up our treasures on earth, but in heaven. 
He knew that where our treasure is, our hearts will be there also. God invites each of us to invest in His kingdom with our influence, resources, skills and talents. Won't you lay up your treasure in heaven today? We're glad that you joined us today on Let God Speak. If you'd like to watch this program again or any past programs, go to our website, 3abnaustralia.org.au. Teacher's notes can be downloaded there also, or you can email us on lgs at 3abnaustralia.org.au. Please join us again next time. God bless. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.